I'm Hannah. I'm Sheena. And I'm Lori. And this is Cemetery Row. All right. It's been a long week and we're all very tired. (laughs) And and Lori, I have to ask, is that the great Nicolas Cage back there on your couch? Uh, Yes, it's Nicolas Cage dressed up as a... uh, a confederate or not a confederate but like a british soldier soldier yeah uh, i have uh, him and i have christopher walken those are great pillows i'm glad that we um clarified those are pillows otherwise people would think you really had nick cage over as your <laughs> well, guest this week you know absolutely um, <laughs> guess what ladies we have a guest host this week yeah oh my god <laughs> i would pee my pants if we had nick cage on here That'd i would shit rad. my pants so you know at least <laughs> um, i love it I wanted to say a quick hi and hello to anyone who took my true crime tours Halloween weekend or the next weekend, which more on that in a second. Um, I hope I got a couple of new listeners out of those. I think we had a great time. Uh, We got rained out the first day, but we did it inside. We were supposed to do this great indoor presentation with my handy dandy PowerPoint. And then the internet didn't work. So I just had to stand there and talk for two hours. <laughs> um, so that was fun. And then the next day was absolutely perfect. Um, we had great weather and it was a great tour group. Um, we were supposed to have a redo the next weekend, this past weekend. Uh, I guess everyone forgot and that's okay. Um, because a lovely mom and daughter team combo fine crime fighting duo um from vermont just happened to show up and they're like i was like are you here for my tour and they're like what tour and i'm like well you're here for my tour now (laughs) so hello to amy and her mom and her mom i've already forgot your name i'm so sorry i told them within five i was like within five steps of this tour i will forget your names and i'm sorry i have adhd and i didn't take my ritalin that day so um but they were awesome i spent like two hours taking them around the cemetery and showing them all kinds of amazing stories out of elmwood so i hope they enjoyed that um and they kind of made my day so shout out to everyone i met um if you want to come on another tour with me anytime just check for the elmwood cemetery events um or you can book me for a private tour. I, I just booked one today for a private tour for next week. Ooh, um, look at you, girl. Heck yeah. Fancy. Yeah. Um, our podcast listeners can't see my terrible dance. I just did. <laughs> I look like one of those things in front of a um, oh, building. No, you don't. You stop that right now. Yeah, I kind of do. You know, those inflatable things. Anyway, um, also the Soul of the City movie is online. If you want to view that, it is um, for free. And it is, I have it linked everywhere, basically, I feel like. Um, I tell the story, this is a nice segue. I tell the story in that um, of Stagger Lee, um, which is the old folk song and how it relates to Elmwood Cemetery in Memphis. And I could have told that story on this week's podcast because this week's podcast theme is Murder Ballads. Um. So but before we get into the, the, I like how I just poofed everywhere. <laughs> um, before we get into this week's topic, do we have any other news? Anything else we want to talk? Oh, I hope they got the guy for the Delphi murders. Oh my God. I know. So crazy. I hope that was a quick segue. Yes. Sorry. It just, it hit no, me. I was like, is there absolutely. any true crime news or anything interesting? Crime, you know, burial or cemetery wise. And then I'm like, oh God, that guy. I hope, that, also, I hope, they, I hope um, he got it. They got him and all that. Shout out to what was her name? Backwoods Chastity. 
Yes, Backwoods for, Chastity. For your lovely, lovely review. Yes. We appreciate it. She, she left us a review on Apple Podcasts, and that means the world to us. So thank you, Chastity. Um, if you want to be like Chastity and earn our um, ever, forever love, everlasting? Yes. yes. Everlasting love. love and appreciation. Bingo. What Lori said. Um, leave us a review. We would really appreciate that. And please talk about how much you like us. That'd Absolutely. Nice things only. Yes. Yeah, please. I mean, if you really hate us, you can email us, I guess. But we won't read it. Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> like, I always forget that we have an email, even though every week I repeat our email address. And you're the one who set it up. So I know. I know. <laughs> I need to I need to log back in. And it's okay. We really look. Um, I don't even oh, read gosh. mean emails at work, and that's my job. <laughs> I'm just like, if I could tell they're being bitchy in the first couple of lines, I'm like, nope, not finishing. Yeah, this email. I don't either. <laughs> um, I will say this too: we did get a message from Miss Molly Monsters, who has made hey, a lot of cool yes. items for us. Um, and she said, I meant to share this with y'all before and I forgot. So I, for some reason it just popped in my head. Um, she said she is two hours away from Lilydale, New York, which I mentioned that town during my Ghostbusters talk yeah. about how it is a town. It's very, very small and it is a home for people who are psychics or medium spiritualists. Um, she said to live in L- Lilydale, you have to possess a gift of some sort. Like you have to do like an, you have to go through an interview process with the town board. Oh my gosh. You can live there. I thought that was really rad. I love Um, it. Yeah. So she was, and then she told me about, um, she is living, um, near where spiritual spiritualism basically got started. And that if we're ever in New York, um, she will be happy to give us a tour. And so, yeah, we'll, if we're ever in New York, we will take you up on that. I will absolutely be doing that. Heck Yeah. So that was just a fun message that I've been meaning to share with y'all is here's a cool fun fact about Lilydale, New York. And go check out all of Miss Molly Monster's stuff. My, uh, my Baphomet Derby is my favorite thing. Which is a good omen for you now because you're about to join, officially join the Derby. I am. I'm about to be a team member for the Windy City Rollers once my intro is done. Yay. Excited. Very excited. All right. All right, y'all. Before we get started, we have two emails. We do. I just opened it. I'm like, uh, yeah, no, no. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. No, just, uh, yeah, no, we got a couple. Well, I'll forward them out, but yes. So, uh, actually let me pull that back up so I can go ahead and live on the air <laughs> this is uh, how the were they nice or made. were they, they mean? were they were fantastic so okay, jessica, jessica and Lindsay, uh, specifically jessica i will we will look at your email you provided some great information and we will we will fulfill your request on the next episode i and i am sorry that i'm just now seeing this uh i am terrible at checking this email account so. <laughs> seriously get a hold of us through the facebook or the instagram because we are there constantly 
Yes, oh, you're more likely God. to to get us there because we we do we do that for our jobs. Yeah, yes. so we're <laughs> so we're, we're always we're always on there, and, and our and, our group chat is through. Yeah, Facebook, so yes, we don't even there. text each other. We group chat on Facebook, and and there's a good chance we may say goodbye to Twitter if Elon. Oh, absolutely, Elon. Exactly. Elon. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Never. but uh, before we get started, this has nothing to do with anything, but it just me talking about how we're on Facebook chat instead of texting is, um, so I went to buy a new fish tank for our beta fish tonight and Hannah's cat or is, is causing a ruckus, which is why I plug my laptop. Yeah. That, well, that's why you hear her, you know, <laughs> in the background. But So when I was checking out, the kid was trying to get me to sign up for this, uh, you know, rewards program. And, you know, I was like, you have a quota you have to hit, don't you? And he's like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, well, I'll go ahead and do it. Cause I can always cancel it and get, you know, it was yeah. 20% off and the kid was real sweet. And so I told him, he's like, how did you know about that? Like it was something new. And, you know, I was like, dude, I worked at, uh, down the street at a little place called a uh, movie gallery <laughs> yeah. and he didn't know what movie gallery was. Oh Ooh. no. And I had to say, and, he, and I had to say, you know, it was a place where you went to get rent movies. He's like, like a red box. <laughs> no, like a blockbuster. And Except he's like, honey, oh. he got it. He got it. He's, I mean, they've talked about blockbuster enough. And I think there's that new show about the last yeah. uh, blockbuster in America. So he, he understood, but I was like, oh my God, I'm so fucking old. You haven't uh, lived though until you've gone to rent a movie at the same place where there's a tanning salon oh, yeah. and the dry cleaners. <laughs> yes, yes, no. But anyway, so we had something similar at Movie Gallery. So I was like, yes, we had a quota. We had to sell so many of these yep. fucking cards. Let me help you out. You were very nice to me. And so yeah. that, that's what I did. So Aww. yeah, I sign up. I, I usually sign up for those if I can tell that's what they're doing. Like, Oh know, yeah, like, they're pushing it. It was like, it was $10 a month yeah. and he's like but you can cancel and it gave me 20 yeah. percent off all the crap that we bought for this fish that we've spent more money on than any animal in our house what is yeah. this fish's name this one so jerry the original uh unfortunately passed away and this one we've had for about a year now and his name is black knight <laughs> okay but we call him bk okay um, like yes. burger king Yes. Yeah, like BK, Black Knight, and then we have a snail named Gary. Oh. Of course. So yeah, yeah, nice. But anyway, let's let's get to you had that beautiful segue with the staggerly, <laughs> and I just busted up in here with emails because my attention span okay. is just now I want to start singing Gary come home. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are we will all be singing songs by the end of this. Um so yeah, so this week's episode is about murder ballads because was it last week, week before last? I can't remember. I mentioned something about murder ballads and that I collect them because I am a weirdo. We no, know this. it is I, like <laughs> and this was so much fun to research. We need to do another episode in the future. I was gonna on, say oh totally. Totally. There are so many and literally to me, they span the, the, they run the gamut. It's not just ballads. It's all types of music and people are still writing songs about murders. Obviously, I think if anyone listens to pop music, you'll hear something a little dark sometimes and you're like, oh gosh. Um, yeah. Mine aren't like so. traditionally like ballads. I mean, yeah. They're more of like the Nick Cave variety. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> thank God for Nick Cave. <laughs> Love him. 
Um, but I did want to include this. I told the girls I found this online while doing my research, and I just thought it was really cool. So this is from our friend. I'd like to say he is our friend. Um, Mr. Schechter, if you'd ever like to come on the podcast, you're more than welcome. We uh, love true you, crime, True crime writer Harold Schechter, who, yes, we've all read his books. Um, he wrote this for the Yale Review. So I'm going to read just this opening graph of his piece, and I thought it was really cool. And it's a, a, a different perspective I had not considered. So this is from Harold Schechter. The oldest form of true crime literature is one the folklorists call murder ballads, a genre dating back at, at least as far dating at least as far back as the Middle Ages, when the sung or recited verses spread the news about shocking real-life homicides among the illiterate peasantry. By Shakespeare's time, traveling peddlers have figured out a way to profit from the public's love of sensationalism by producing printed versions of murder ballads. Whether, whenever a particularly ghastly slaying occurred, it was immensely immediately translated into page-long sheets of doggerel called broadsides that sold for a penance, the Elizabethan equivalent of today's tabloid news. Which I just thought was really cool. I love it. I mean, I don't know. I just didn't. I never thought about it that way. Well, I mean, it makes sense of like, you know, pre-literacy. It was oral traditions, you know, that got Mm -hmm. passed down and so, and the easiest way to pass down a story is to sing it. It's yeah. how you remember it. I saw a thing on TikTok, and I don't know if it's true or not, that the Muffin Man song was actually a song that the- Not true. Not, not true. It's true. not true. Damn it, I, I saw that too. Read the I comments. Saw that, I saw that too. Okay. And I, was, I, was, I was like, no. I don't think it's true, but that would have been really cool. Oh, but yes. no, there and are other songs that nursery are like rhymes, nursery rhymes and stuff mm-hmm. that's like passing down information because I mean, how do we learn our ABCs? We sing them. Hey y'all. Uh, Beowulf. Uh, the, Be- have we all, we have all suffered through Beowulf. <laughs> exactly. London, you know, London bridge and songs. Yeah. Ring around the rosy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's some, what I meant. Not London bridge. Yeah. There's some, yeah. There's some dark songs out there. Um, well, and like nursery goose- rhymes. Goosey Goosey Gander is about um, prostitutes throwing Catholics down the stairs. Well, I'm here for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm really not. Don't don't come after. I just thought the the. I'm sorry, but the the visual of that was funny in my head. Yes. Anyway, well, now that I'm going, we're to sorry. Hell. We're on a tangent. We're all good. <laughs> All right, so the the story that I'm talking about this week, um, I'm gonna ha- go ahead and apologize quickly because it does involve child um, murder, um, but we're not gonna go into detail. Um, but I do love this story. I mean, it's a weird story to say you love, but it this to me feels like the classic murder ballad. Um, even though I know this comes in like the middle of murder ballad times, because as we just said, murder ballads go back forever. But either way, um, this is a very classic song that I'm going to talk about. So picture it. <laughs> it was a long last Christmas evening. The snow was on the ground at his home in North Carolina. The murderer, he was found. His name was Charlie Lawson and he had a loving wife, but we'll never know what caused him to take his family's life. They say he killed his wife at first, and the little ones did cry. Please, Papa, won't you spare our lives, for it is so hard to die? But the raging man could not be stopped. He would not heed their call. He kept on firing fatal shots until he killed them all. Jesus. Yeah, this is nice and dark. 
So let's talk about the story um, that led to this classic murder ballad. So the Lawson family was a poor sharecropping family living in Germantown, North Carolina in the 1920s. And from what I can, I can tell, if you are a North Carolinian, you know this story already. This is like one of those old school stories that has been passed down for generations. And I think, I think it's pretty fairly well known in the true crime communities, but, um, at the same time, I'm also a weirdo who collects murder ballads. So, well, it's like- interesting because mine takes place in North Carolina. I think murder ballads are just a very prevalent uh, thing in Appalachia. And I was going to say the Appalachia angle. That's mm-hmm. yeah. Big yeah. time. All right. So this family uh, consists of Charlie Lawson, who's 43, his wife, Fanny, who's 37, and seven of their kids, Marie, who was 17, Arthur was 16, Carrie was 12, Maybell seven, James four, Raymond two, and Mary Lou four months. Oh, Jesus, no. Mary and Joseph. Charles. Yeah. yeah. Y'all so couple... need to do that Irish birth control where you sleep in different <laughs> beds. Well, they, they thought that was a crazy idea, apparently. Uh, so the couple married in 1911, and they did have an eight. And eight children total, but their third child, William, um, who was born in 1914, died due to pneumonia four days before his sixth birthday. But seven out of eight for that time period ain't bad. Healthy babies. Um, So, yeah, otherwise, these other seven kids seem to be happy, healthy kiddos. Um, The family worked as tenant tobacco farmers, but everyone in the city really talked about how Charlie was a very hardworking man. So by 1927, he had saved up enough money to buy their own tobacco farm. So they had their own home and they had their barn um, and they seemed to be doing very well for themselves. Not amazingly rich, but making it, which I would think, you know, you'd have to have a, a, a decent amount of money to, to have seven children. <laughs> um. And everyone in the town spoke, like I said, very highly of Charlie and Fanny and, you know, these were good kids, all that good stuff. But we are going to um, zero in on Christmas of 1929. So two weeks before Christmas, Charlie took this whole family into town to buy them new clothes and to have a family portrait taken. And that's kind of a big deal for the time because everyone gets a new suit of clothes and you're having a family portrait made. You know, all of this is a decent amount of money. It's not wildly expensive, but it's pretty expensive. And some people are a little suspicious of this action once everything that happens on Christmas happens, but we'll get to that again later. Um, so that was two weeks before Christmas. So they have this new suits of clothes, nice family portrait. And then here comes Christmas and it's Christmas morning or Christmas day, 1929. Uh, the family is enjoying their usual holiday festivities. There are toys throughout the house because Santa has visited the little ones. Um, and then, Charlie and Arthur, who is 16, uh, they went rabbit hunting, which was apparently a very big thing to do back then. Of course, hunting is a big deal now, but um, I think it was a big deal for them to do on Christmas. It was like the family sort of what they did. Um, Supposedly, either they ran out of ammunition or Arthur thought they did. Or they decided they needed more. So Arthur goes into town to buy more ammunition. So he misses what happens next. 
And what happens next is, and I don't want to go through every single person's death. We're just going to very broadly say Charlie killed his entire family, except for Arthur. He shot everyone. Some of them he also beat to make sure they were dead. Some he only beat. Um, I don't want to talk about specifics because for one, it's not fun. For two, it's really violent. And for three, everyone who is there is dead. So I don't want to go through this whole, he shot this person first because we don't know truly. Right. Um, but he did, um, take the time to lay the bodies out. Um, there were two children that were in the tobacco farm. Um, different sources said he put either rocks or like a paper, not a paper, but like a cloth sack beneath their heads and put their arms over their chest. And then the whole family in the house, he laid them out, put pillows under their heads and and did their arms the same way folded okay john list yes exactly i thought that was very weird um and it's suspected really that a lot of um maybe at first the family weren't the because again it's debated on who he killed first that maybe some some of the family members weren't scared when they heard the first shots because they had been out hunting so they think oh they're shooting nearby you know so they didn't necessarily run right away um and yeah the only surviving family member is 16 year old arthur it is some people have speculated maybe um he either sent arthur into town to get the ammunition because he knew arthur was big enough to fight back when you mm-hmm. see pictures of the family arthur's a tall guy he he's a he he to me almost looks bigger than 16 um maybe charlie knew arthur was the one who could have stopped him yeah but either way, we don't know why. We don't know why he chose to do all this while Arthur was out. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so this happens. Meanwhile, Charlie goes and walks into the woods and he paces around a tree for a while. Like they said, he like the the area around this tree kind of become muddy because he had just paced and walked. And that's not I, terrifying. I know. Um, but he eventually sat down in front of that tree and shot himself in the heart. Ooh. I am shocked he even had one to shoot, but whatever. Mm-hmm. There we yeah. are. Um, but by the time he had completed suicide, people had already arrived at the family's home. I think it was one of Charlie's brothers who um, had come by to wish the family a Merry Christmas and found what had happened. And then they heard the shot in the woods. so he had been alive for a little while before he did that shot um in charlie's coat pocket they found two unfinished notes one read trouble can cause and the other one read nobody to blame but and in the original there in some original newspapers that i saw from 1929 they finished that note and said nobody to blame but i but right. I've seen in more recent research that they said um, the, the line is, he does not have I at the end. It just says nobody to blame, but. Ugh. Well, why did he do this? Why would you absolutely annihilate your entire family on Christmas Day? Yeah. Um, like I said, a lot of people think, a lot of people had such respect for him. They were like, this is a good guy. This is a good family. Like, we can't believe he did it to the point that there are some people who think someone came in and killed Charlie and his family. Mm. Um, 
And there was even, I saw like one like YouTube person be like, maybe it was basically organized crime. And I'm like, uh-uh, no. But then I, sent him out in the woods to pace for a little while. Thank you. Thank you. I don't buy that. Um, the other theory is that Charlie had sustained a head injury sometime before the murders. So a lot of people think, okay, yes, he did this, but they did an autopsy later and they sent his brain to Johns Hopkins and they could find no injury, nothing wrong with his brain. It was a little smaller than normal, but I'm well, also like, I'm sure everyone's brain is sized differently. So and whatever. Speaking of brain, it's really unusual for men to shoot themselves in the chest. They usually yeah. go for the headshot, but I thought that was an odd choice myself. Yeah. Now the main theory, and this theory didn't come out until the 1990s. And I, I hate this theory and I hope it's not true y'all. It bothers me, but it's that Charlie was having an incestuous relationship with his oldest child, Marie. She was 17 and that he had gotten her pregnant. Oh no. Now there are family members who were supposedly talking about this following the murder and that they said Fanny was suspicious of it um, more than a year before the murder. But then one of uh, Marie's friends came forward much, much later and said Marie had told her in secrecy and confidence that she was pregnant by her father and that her mother knew. Oh, so I, I don't know how true that is. And as far as I can tell, I'm not sure anyone did an autopsy on Marie to determine if that was true. Yeah, that wouldn't have been standard back in the day. Yeah. And I think everyone was just like, well, we know how they died. They were right. shot to death. Shot or beat or whatever. Yes, exactly. Um, so, but we're getting to, to how we found some of this out. Um, because in the, this was the late 1920s and true crime fans have been around for literally <laughs> forever. forever. <laughs> yeah. uh, Charlie's brother, Marion, opened the house as a tourist attraction. Oh, dear. He charged a quarter for admission and said the money would be used to go to Arthur and to help pay for the land and debts and all this. And then there's also stories that Arthur never saw any of the money. So who knows? Oof. And I know a lot of true crime fans know this part of the story very well. The house was absolutely left as is. Um, and a cake that Marie had baked was still on the table. Yes, I remember. Oh. And tourists took raisins and crap off of it um, oh. and kept them forever. And then it was eventually covered um, in a glass cake server and preserved for many years. But I guess they eventually threw that out. And Marion also sold photographs of the bloody crime scene and souvenir pamphlets. Ooh, if you would Marian. like to find, I know, if you'd like to find bloody crime scene photos online, you can find them. I don't. I don't recommend them. It looks like your typical house Bloody from 1929 scene. with blood everywhere. It's not fun. Yeah, let's not. And some people said that um, the family members who were talking about the possible incestuous relationship talked about this at the house with tourists going through and at the funeral because of course Ugh. thousands of people were at the funeral. Um. And there's also even, I was surprised by this, newspaper accounts um, it, just within the last few months after the murder happened of people going to the house and saying like weird things were happening. Like one guy said, um, even two months after the murder, there were newspaper accounts of people spending the night to see if the house was haunted. 
And um, there was one guy who said he was going around out there trying to like peep in at the windows and something cut him mysteriously. And like, yeah. I was surprised to see that so shortly after the murders. Like, I just didn't expect that. Like, But at the same time, I'm kind of not surprised to see it Yeah, either. true, true. I just didn't, I guess I knew the true crime fans would be there, but I guess I didn't think people would be saying, oh, it's haunted right away. Oh, yeah. Um, so let's talk about the murder ballad real quick, and then we'll talk about where they're buried. So the crime was turned into the murder ballad written by hillbilly artist (laughs) Kid Smith. Hillbilly, of course, later becomes known as country music. So he wrote it as the ballad of the Lawson family murder. Um, You'll also see titles like the murder of the Lawson family and the Lawson family murder. And the lyrics pretty well don't change between all the different versions um they may change slightly but the meaning is still the same and most of the versions i've seen have been bluegrass or country but mostly bluegrass yeah um, we'll get into a fun cover in just a second <laughs> uh it was first recorded as the murder of the lawson family in 1930 by the carolina buddies for that Columbia was quick records yeah it really was and then you want to talk about quick both the Carolina Buddies and Kid Smith performed this song on the house's porch while oh, people no. visited. That Jesus. is macabre. I was like, y'all, look, I'm already upset that it's a tourist attraction. Like, that's not cool. And then people are taking raisins. That's not cool. There are pictures of the crime scene. And then you have someone out there performing this song. Do you want to get you know, haunted? Because that's this how you is get how you haunted. get haunted. People and, have been obsessed with these, yes. mur- like true crime for gener like for yeah. eons. You yeah, know, right. they want to complain about you know glory, which I absolutely agree with. You shouldn't yeah. glorify serial killers, right? But it's just a part of human nature. It is to to want be interested in this stuff and just just. It's the insanity. It's, this is ridiculous. Like I remember, yeah, absolutely. I, memory of this is the taking the raisins off the cake and yeah so that's what really triggered me when you were sharing it like god and i mean i get it i'm interested in true crime and i get Mm -hmm. that that's you know everyone's talking about how now true crime is having its reckoning and everyone is trying to find their moral compass while consuming true crime and i'm like i'm I'm right there with you i'm fascinated by this stuff too i'm dying to know why this man did this well i just don't want to fuck him I just right. don't want to fuck him. Exactly. And some of these people but I also, need I to also get a don't want murderabilia. I right, don't need right. a raisin from that poor girl's cake. I don't need a crime scene photo to hold in my hand. Well, that's like, that's like, a little much. Um, we were talking off air about how last pod just did the bath school massacre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned that a looky loo went up and like took a piece of the guy's guts that was yes. splattered yeah. all over his car. As a souvenir. Stuck it in a jar. Yep. Yep. Um, And I guess I am being a hypocrite when I'm like, I don't want a crime scene photo, but yet I collect murder ballads. But, you know, I don't know. I just, there's something about, there's some separation there between owning a um, door handle or something from the house. Or like, you know, to me, I always think about the St. Valentine's Day massacre and how the bricks from that building are now supposedly cursed. You right. know? And, and I'm like, yeah, no, don't take stuff from a crime scene, my dudes. Like, that's, right. No. I think too is like, for those of us, you know, and that's the kind of one of the things of like, 
I've been like a last podcast fan since like 2009, 2010. I mean, for forever. And they were really, you know, nobody really talked about it because it was just us gremlins (laughs) talking about it. And then after things like my favorite murder and that sort of stuff, then they're like, oh, normal people are liking this stuff now. And us (laughs) degenerates have always been like, hey, we've been here for a minute. Yep. But it's like it comes down to respecting the humanity of all the people involved and i do really like last podcast's take on serial killers in that these aren't mythical monsters these are douchebags with mommy issues yep and we should make fun of them and we should defang them by taking the wind out of their sails by saying you know these aren't these menacing phantoms of the dark they're just fucking assholes they're they're regular problems um, not to be like super alarmist or whatever, but I don't know if y'all have seen that video going around this week of the very creepy man who, <gasps> who was trying wanted to, to chase write that the song straight? for the girl. Yes. He had the very short version of this story, and this is not the entire story whatsoever, but he was infatuated, obsessed, stalking a coworker, and she had called the police to be like, get him away. But what struck me was when he flipped the camera around on himself, I'm like, that is an everyman. I've seen that guy's exact face. When the cops are telling you you're being too creepy, you're being too fucking creepy. But that's the whole point of the serial killer thing is you think they're monsters. You think they're whatever. As soon as it flipped around, I'm like. It's just a dude that you would I see can in the think grocery of 10 store. different dudes who look just like that. I've dated guys who vaguely look like that. Oh, absolutely. It is scary. It is really scary. So, yeah. Anyway, I say all that to say um, <laughs> it, it, there's, there's a difference, I think, in being interested in true crime and the interest, being interested in the dark side of humanity, but not wanting something of it in your own home. Yeah. Right? I but think anyway. that's just bad energy. Mm-hmm. It is. However, I guess a lot of other people like me like to collect murder ballads because most hillbilly records in the 1920s, 1930s, which, like I said, were country records, sold about a thousand copies. Yeah, no, the ballad of the Lawson family murder sold 8,000. Jesus. So it was a bona fide hit and the number one hillbilly record of 1930. <laughs> Um, the Stanley Brothers covered it in 1956, the very iconic Stanley Brothers. Much respect there. And then much respect to the iconic drag queen and artist Sharon Needles, who covered it yeah. for a holiday compilation album, Christmas Queens 3 in 2017. Oh, Listen, I love it. Her version is pitch perfect. And it is, it to me stands up just as well as any of the traditional versions and she keeps it very traditional. So if you want to hear it on this drag queen Christmas record, I cannot recommend it more. It's an awesome cover. Okay. So going back to where the family is buried. So, um, like I said, thousands of people attended the family's funeral, thousands, like 5,000, probably more than have ever been in that city. Um, The entire Lawson family, including Charlie, are buried in a family graveyard in one giant grave. Oh, so it was this this family graveyard was established in 1908 originally for the use of the W.D. Browder family. I don't know who they are. They must be neighbors. And like, I guess it was one of those like, oh, our the Browder family will be here. And then if you we like you, we'll let you be buried in our family community 
graveyard. And today the cemetery is only open to Browder family descendants. There's, it's very small from what I can tell online. Now, like I said, there's a giant um, hole, like 18 feet wide hole for all of their caskets. Lord. Um Mary Lou is buried with Fanny. She's Fanny is holding her in her arms. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lawson family marker itself is huge. It it's massive and it has it's one big piece and it has three sections to it. So the middle lists Charlie, Fanny, and Mary Lou. The left section lists the boys and their dates, and then the right section lists the girls. And then the epitaph reads, not now, but in the coming years, it will be a better land. We'll read the meaning of our tears and then sometime we'll understand. Oh, yeah. Fuck Charlie, I cannot believe exactly. they buried Thank him you. with his family. Come on, exactly. Arthur. Yeah. No shit. Well, shouldn't have claimed his body. Thank well, you. Well, that might have been his brother's doing. It Arthur could have been the brothers. It, right. I, I'm not sure who it was. I will say that William, there's um, seventh. I mean, I say the seventh child, but there or the eighth child, the, the baby who died when he was almost six. Mm-hmm. He's also buried out there. Okay. And what happened to Arthur? Well, unfortunately, um, he was the only survivor of this and he was killed in a car accident in 1945 at the age mm. of 31. I found where he left behind a wife named Nina and I read somewhere he left behind four kids, but I couldn't find any thing to back that up. So I'm not sure if he does have or did have kids. Um, I will say, and I shouldn't say this, this makes me sound gross. He's kind of a looker. So you know, <laughs> he's long um, since dead. It's fine. Bless his heart. Um, his wife was beautiful too. Anyway, mm-hmm. he's buried at the same cemetery as the rest of his family. His marker has his wrong birth and death dates. I don't know why. And then his marker reads, the cross is my anchor. Aww. And that is the very sad story of the Lawson family murder. And if you want to go find this song, it is on most streaming platforms. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Well, I depressed y'all. Yeah. Time for y'all to depress me. Yes. I, well, I, I try to be a little lighthearted, so we'll see. We'll see if it pays <laughs> off. Good luck, Lou. My, uh, you know. So let's get into it. As I mentioned earlier, we are also in North Carolina for this story. The true story behind this popular North Carolina murder ballad is full of things that would make the perfect lifetime made-for-TV movie. Did you practice your Dateline voice as I requested? I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> I, like I want to do Stefan from uh, SNL. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> this has everything. It's got everything. It's got a hot young soldier who can't keep it in his pants. Uh oh. <laughs> it's got a love triangle, or is it a square? Oh. I'm not sure what you would call a love triangle between four people. An orgy. (laughs) (laughs) What Hannah said. It's got pregnancy out of wedlock. It's got horrid love affairs. Oh, Oh, no. no. It's even got a diagnosis of syphilis for good measure. Oh, my smelling salt. Well, that's what happens when you got four people fucking. Somebody's (laughs) getting syphilis. Wrap it before you tap it. Yes. Exactly. Uh, not in 1866. I mean, I, I say I learned that in college. Let me, let me, let me clarify <laughs> that. I learned that from a friend. Exactly. To, who, I don't know why with. we were discussing this in a Wendy's drive-thru. I just remember her in the Wendy's drive-thru saying right before you tap it. And she hit her steering wheel twice. 
We love you, um, Beth. We, it was Beth. I'm glad you remember oh that. My- I do. Of course I remember um, that. I do 100% remember who it was referring to, though. But I'm not going to say anything else because. Yeah. Yeah. Continue, Lori. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. No. Today, I'm sharing the true story that imp- inspired the folk song, Tom Dooley. Oh, yeah. That's a classic. Yes. In a nutshell, the song is about the murder of a young woman named Laura Foster in North Carolina in 1866. Her lover, whose name is spelled D-U-L-A, like doula, but everyone insists it's pronounced Dooley. So the spelling in the song and kind of historically is Dooley, D-O-O-L-E-Y. So Her lover was Tom Dooley, a man who was convicted of the murder and hanged. But was he the real killer? Gosh, I don't know. Tell me. Before I get into the background of the true story that inspired a local poet named Thomas Land to write a song that would become a number one hit for the Kingston Trio in 1958. The the song was originally written like right when um, Tom Dooley was killed. So it just you know, didn't really get famous until the Kingston Trio recorded it in 1958. Um, I'm going to recite the lyrics to you. I'm only going to read the chorus once because we'll be here forever. (laughs) Um, So it begins with an introduction that is spoken over music. It goes, throughout history, there have been many songs written about the eternal triangle. This next one tells the story of Mr. Grayson, a beautiful woman and a condemned man named Tom Dooley. When the sun rises tomorrow, Tom Dooley must hang. Okay. And then we hit the chorus. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Poor boy. You're about to die. Oh, So, and then it starts again. I met her on the mountain. There, I took her life. Met her on the mountain. Stabbed her with my knife. Then the chorus again. This time tomorrow, reckon where I'll be. Hadn't been for Grayson, I'd have been in Tennessee. And then the chorus again. This time tomorrow, reckon where I'll be. Down in some lonesome valley, hanging from a white oak tree. And one more time for good measure, the chorus. (laughs) And it ends. Okay, quick question. Yes, ma'am. You said this was written in 1958? No, 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 no. It was written like in the 1860s. So it was written right around the time. And, and there, you know, there's some arguments over. Yeah, you know, who recorded it first? And, you know, there was some legality, legal issues, but it was written by a poet named Thomas Land. Right okay. around the 1868, probably. Yeah. Okay. So, Sorry. I just, no, I was thinking of I'm like, the lyrics sound so much older to me oh, than yeah, 1958. Yeah. So Absolutely. I was like, Absolutely. But yeah, go ahead. Okay. So Tom Dooley was born in Elkville, North Carolina in 1845. I don't know much about his life before this murder, other than the fact that he was a talented musician and he was very popular with the ladies. Um, including a beautiful young woman named Anne Foster, who he was romantically involved with before the Civil War broke out. She, at some point, married a man who was about 10 years older than her named uh, James Melton. And James is my kind of guy. 
<laughs> he was in his 30s, but he was already just fucking done with Anne's bullshit. Yeah. He didn't give a fuck what she did. <laughs> he just wanted some peace and quiet, which is probably why he let Tom move in his home and even share a bed with Anne. Okay. Oh. James was like, I want to sleep by myself. Go yeah. do your thing. <laughs> and I feel that, James. I feel it. Uh, as any good Southern boy should do. I, I'm swallowing my vomit as I say this. Tom, Tom enlisted in the Confederate Army at age 17. And he yeah. served as a drummer for his regiment for four years before he was captured and kept as a prisoner of war. Um, apparently, James Melton was also a prisoner of war who cares um <laughs> both of tom dooley's brothers died in the war so he was the last son of his mom and dad um when the war ended he returned home to elkville where he picked right back where he left off with Anne. um and james continued to ignore ignore the affair preferring once again to mind his own business and sleep by himself <laughs> so eventually a cousin of Anne's named pauline foster came to live at the Meltons and work as a servant but she also caught the eye of Tom. Tom. It was goddamn. It, it wasn't long before Tom and Pauline were knocking boots, but surprisingly, Anne didn't seem to mind. In fact, she joined in on the lovemaking. Okay. What kind of sex drive does this man have? I do not know. So everyone was banging. Everyone except, except for James. James. He's he like, like, I'm just trying to nap. Y'all yeah, figure it out. Dude, same. Okay, God. and so sometime later, another cousin of Anne's name. Lo- <laughs> yes, she's got a lot of Wait, fucking cousins. So she was having threesomes with her cousin? Yes, yes. Anne was like, <laughs> from, from everything I've read, she was just like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to work. I'm too beautiful. I'm too blah, 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 blah. But I will fuck my cousin for you. Right, and so she- uh, Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, so she, that's why she brought her cousins. Like, well, you I, know, don't wanna, I don't want to, I don't want to do this shit. There's a lot of incest in these <laughs> Appalachian murders. Yeah, Christ on a bike. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, Laura Foster moves to town. Guess what happened next? <laughs> More cousin fucking? No. So oh. you guessed it. Uh, Laura and Tom started banging. Okay. But not with the group. Right. So even okay. though that Anne was okay with this love triangle with Pauline, she was not happy, allegedly, about Tom's affair with Laura. Well, because she was in it with Pauline. Yeah. With she's Laura, like, that's off on their own. I and did Laura's, not. Did Laura say, just not want to do the group thing? I don't know. I think she just, you know, some things I read said she was just fucking him out of boredom. Mm-hmm. Others like I think Laura was too good for cousin threesomes. <laughs> yes, or foursomes, as it would be if she joined in. Um, so and since it was the 1860s and safe sex wasn't really a thing, Tom Imagine. contracted syphilis, which to my oh. absolute delight, I learned was called the soldier's joy by the mountain folk of Appalachia. <laughs> oh no. Oh Lori, I love yes. this. Keep going. So, of course, he passed the disease on to Anne, and because of the timing, he blamed Laura for giving him the STD, when in fact, it was Pauline who brought that shit into the, oh, the mix. Oh, no. Oh, my God. 
This so is she, so messy. Yes. So Pauline, Pauline had come to town because she was seeking treatment for her <gasps> syphilis. And, and they, they started boning. Yes. So she gave it to, uh, to Tom who gave it to Anne, and then Tom gave it to, uh, Laura and it was just, everybody had the know, syphilis. Do you know who doesn't have it? <laughs> James. Husband, James. <laughs> yeah. James. I was like, whatever his name yes. is, James. James. He's, James he's a smart man. And he's like clear. Yeah. He's like, I, I peace out guys. Yes. I just want to nap. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> um, so there are kind of two versions that I've seen of this story of what happens next. So one version has that Tom claimed, you know, fucking Laura, I'm going to get vengeance on her. Uh, she gave me this disease, but in a different version, Laura got pregnant and they were going to elope. So those are the two different kind of variations of what people speculate happened. So whatever the truth may be, Laura disappeared on May 25th, 1866. Uh Uh, She took her dad's horse. And apparently that was a big no, no. And he said, you know, fuck the girl. I want my goddamn horse back. (laughs) Okay. Um, and the next day the horse returned and its reins had been cut, but she was nowhere to be found. Oh. They, they searched for her for weeks and they found a portion of the rain that had been cut from the horse tied to a tree with blood on it. Oh, and so this, like Tom knew this was happening and he's like, fuck, I was the last one seen with her. I'm getting out of here. So he takes off for Tennessee, which is not a good idea. No. Yeah. So while Tom was fleeing to Tennessee, Pauline herself was visiting family in Tennessee. And when she returned to North Carolina, people were like, hey, did you have something to do with this? Unable to read the fucking room, she jokes that, yes, she and Tom had killed Laura. Also, Uh, like, get your snatch under control, woman. Exactly. (laughs) It was maybe the SIF brain. I don't know. Uh, Laura's family and the law didn't really find the joke funny. And Pauline was arrested. It's not funny. And this Jeez. was a wake-up call. She was like, oh, shit, I don't want to go down for this. So she confessed to everything. She said that Tom and Anne had been responsible for the disappearance. And she was able to lead them to the general area where they found Laura's decomposing body. She said that Anne had pointed it out to her. And they were able to identify Laura just from the clothes she was wearing. Mm. And obviously, the 1860s, they couldn't say exactly what her cause right. of death was, but she did have a evidence of a stab wound to the heart. Oh Ooh. man. And their next order of business was to find Tom Dooley. <laughs> Tom was working for a Colonel named James Grayson. If that sounds familiar, he is mentioned in the song he is. Uh, on a farm in Tennessee. Uh, Tom learned the authorities were coming for him. So he fled And Grayson, upon learning that his former employee was wanted for murder, joined the posse and tracked him down and convinced him to surrender. And Tom was taken back to Wilkes County, North Carolina, where he was going to stand trial for the murder of Laura Foster. And Ann Melton was also arrested and charged separately. And because of that, they were not, their trials did not happen at the same time. The media, as we've been talking about people's obsession with murder and crime they went bananas because everyone has always been obsessed with who's fucking who even back in the 1800s absolutely um so tom and ann were represented pro bono by 
Zebulon Vance. <laughs> wow. Get it out of your system because this fucker, uh, <laughs> who was the former governor of the Confederate state of North oh, Carolina, fuck you, Zebulon, and a former Confederate colonel. Boo fuck on you. you, Zebulon. Zebulon. Yes. So Zeb petitioned for a change of venue because he knew that Tom's Confederate background wasn't going to sit well with the people of Wilkes County who were predominantly union leaning, you know, good on you. Um, He got the change of venue. Didn't matter. 18 months after the murder, Tom Dooley was convicted of killing Laura Foster and Ann Melton was later acquitted of all charges. Okay. Okay. On May 1st, 1868, Tom was hanged for Laura's murder. Allegedly, before he hanged, he said, quote, gentlemen, I did not harm a single hair on that fair lady's head, end quote. So Pauline wasn't considered part no. of the, okay. You know, technically, I see what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He didn't harm a hair on her hair. Oh, he just stabbed her in the heart. Just stabbed no. her in the heart. Her hair. No. Was See, fine, I man. have I have my own thoughts. Oh, you think so, he's but, covering? Yes. Okay. Which is the exact opposite of what he claimed in writing the night before his execution. In the presence of good old Zeb, he wrote, quote, <laughs> I declare that I am the only person that had any hand in the murder of Laura Foster, April 30th, 1868. Now, good old Zeb. Yeah, would go on to say that he believes Tom was innocent and that he was just trying to protect Ann Melton. Mm. Um, some people speculate, and I'm kind of one of them, that she murdered Laura in a jealous rage and then was like, Tom, you got to help me cover this up. And so yeah. he was involved in the cover up. Um, and some people are like, no, she gave him she, he thought she gave him the sif and he was <laughs> pissed. So he killed her for that. So whatever version you believe, it ends horribly for everybody involved. Yeah. Even, I don't know about Pauline. I wasn't able to figure out what happened to her. Um, So Ann Melton died just seven years after Tom hanged. Um, Mm. She had been severely injured in a carriage accident, uh, but it's believed she most likely perished from her, the effects of her STD. Like she was in pretty poor health. She is buried in the Melton family cemetery in Ferguson, North Carolina, but her grave was unmarked by anything but a small rock until 2012 when her descendants replaced it with a granite stone with the inscription, Anne P. Foster Melton, May 8th, 1843, to about 1874. Okay. Wife of James G. Melton, mother of Mary, Martha Jane, and Ida Vaughn. Apparently, they had kids before this whole thing even got. So wow. not only, you know, was she having threesomes but she had two daughters in addition to you know well she can have them all she wants but make sure she's taking care of the children exactly exactly children are and james melton he went on took another wife and when he died he was not buried in that cemetery so he's off somewhere else um (laughs) but good on james um, and Tom Dooley is essentially buried off an unused farm road 10 miles from Wilkesboro, North Carolina. His oh. grave is surrounded by an electric fence because half of the stone is defaced from people who have chipped away mementos over the years. Uh. I do think that 
it's maybe his headstone's been stolen a few times. Uh, I think he's also off of Tom Dooley road and the road sign gets stolen all the time. Um, but the original inscription read Tom Dooley hanged May 1st, 1868 for the murder of Laura Foster. There's also another marker that notes he served in the Confederate Army's 42nd North Carolina Regiment. I'll include a picture. I don't know. I don't even know where that is. I have not been able to figure out, is it with his grave? Is it somewhere else? It's just like yeah. the kind of the kind of stone that's in the ground. I can't remember right. what you call that. That doesn't, you know. Um, and then there, he's also got a historical marker off the high, side of Highway 268 that reads Thomas C. Dula. Uh, Dula, see, there I go, because I didn't spell mm-hmm. it phonetically. Thomas C. Dooley, 1844 to 1868. Tom Dooley of popular legend and song, hanged in Statesville for the murder of Laura Foster. Grave is one and a half miles southwest. Wow. Laura Foster's grave is also not in a cemetery, but in a field not far from the highway in Caldwell County. Uh, It's surrounded by a white fence to prevent cows from disturbing it (laughs) Um, because it's legit in some farmer's field. Fair, Uh, fair. It has a small white, what we're assuming is marble. I wasn't able to figure out what it's made of headstone with her incorrect year of death. But it reads, Laura Foster murdered in May 1865. Tom Dooley hanged for crime. Hmm. Wow. And I'm going to end with, there is another memorial, a historic marker that was erected for Laura in the parking area next to the field where she is buried. (laughs) Uh, That, like I said, it was erected in 1991. It reads, on the 28th of May, 1866, Laura Foster, a beautiful but frail girl, was decoyed from her father's house at German Hill in Caldwell County to a place in Wilkes County and was murdered. Tom Dooley was later hanged for her murder. She was buried on the banks of the Yadkin River on the farm of John Walter Winkler. (laughs) Okay, John Winkler. Laura's grave is across the road, surrounded by the whitewashed locust fence. The land for this park is provided by John Christian Bernhardt. This historical marker is provided by Woodman of the World Lodge 95, Lenore, North Carolina. 1991 Hmm. and that is the origin story of the song tom dooley lots of markers up for people who sure like to get it on right right like uh, just so sad like so sad for everybody but i do have a picture of I did. I was able to get a picture of Anne. It's not very good, so I don't think I uploaded it. Um, but I did find a picture that is believed to be um, Mr. Tom Dooley. And like, if he was seventeen, he looks like he's about forty. Yeah. But he's a good-looking forty. Like, I can yeah. see why the girls wanted to to spend a little alone time with him. <laughs> All right. Uh, he was. He was not a bad-looking dude. But damn. <laughs> That wrap was it. Messy. Wrap it before you tap uh, it. That was <laughs> you fucking know, I, messy. Yeah, I, I guess I never really knew that true story and that it was, yeah, that messy and that well, and there was trashy. A, there was a movie made that completely changed the story to where, like, oh, okay. apparently he killed uh, a Union soldier not knowing the war was over. So it was oh, a romance. Lord. Like, fuck that. No, no, it's 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 messy. And it's all about sex because that's why sure usually 
the the reason people kill is yeah sexy times but anyway true hannah nana yes take right. us home country yes. roads <laughs> all right i've got two yes. because they're both relatively short so um i'm gonna dealer's choice with you guys do you want grunge or do you want indie Ooh. Let's start with indie and end with grunge. Okay. Yes, I, I, I second that. So we're going to start with indie um, with a song by the drive-by truckers, who I love. Um, this is uh, from their 2016 album, and it's called Ramon Cassiano. And we're going to, I'm going to read you the first stanza, and then we're going we're to come back to the rest of it later. It all started with the border, and that's where it is today. Someone killed Ramon Cassiano, and the killer got away. Who killed Ramon Cassiano, and why? Well, (laughs) hold on to your hats. Turns out we suck. So in 1931, uh, in Laredo, Texas, a teenage boy named Harlan Carter You might have heard that name before, but I'll I'll tell you where you've heard it. Came home from school to find his mother upset. Three Hispanic boys had been loitering in front of the house. God help us. Yeah, really? The family's car had been stolen a few weeks before, and she thought these boys might know something about it. You know, being all Mexican and everything. Yeah. Are they related to Trump? (laughs) (laughs) Just you wait. Making racist racist assumptions. Racial tensions were pretty high around this area, um, and Carter's father was actually an officer in the very recently created Border Patrol. Nice. <laughs> His father was at work and likely wouldn't be home for hours, so the youngest, younger Carter picked up his shotgun and walked out the door. Oh, great. This is going to end well. Yep. It reminds me of the Annie DeFranco lyric as some milk-fed white boy gets the uh, white boy blues, picks up his gun, and goes to make the news. Yeah. Here we are. Yep, exactly. Um, It didn't take him long to find the boys who were between the ages of 15 and 12 at a swimming hole nearby. He demanded they come home with him. Because when strangers walk up to me and say, hey, follow me home, I'm like, the fuck I will. Yeah, exactly. When they said, when they asked him why, he wouldn't say. So Ramon Cassiano, 15, responded, hell no, we won't go to your house. You can't make us. <laughs> God love you, Ramon. Yep. Carter and Cassiano started swearing at each other. Cassiano pulled out a knife and asked if he wanted to fight. These are teenage boys after all. Yep. Carter lifted his shotgun to Ramon's chest. According to testimony from the time, Ramon told him not to do it and pushed the shotgun aside. Ramon has got balls made out of fucking iron. Apparently. Yes, he does. Then he took a step back and laughed. (gasps) Ramon, baby. Annoyed by Ramon's lack of fear, Carter asked if he thought he wasn't going to shoot. Then he did. Oh, Cassiano no. died on the ground with a two-inch shotgun wound in his chest. Jesus. God. What was the year on this again? 31. Man. 
Carter was arrested, tried, convicted of murder, and sentenced to three years. Of course. But when he had only served two, his conviction was overturned by a higher court that ruled that the trial judge's jury's instructions had been incomplete and hadn't adequately explained the definition of self-defense because a knife and a gun are, you know, obviously comparable. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, where have you heard of Harlan Carter before? Well, he was the first head of the U.S. Border Patrol. And he also was the head of the National Rifle Association. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it all makes sense. Yes. So he pretty much turned both the border patrol and the nra into the racist terrorist groups that we know them to be today Mm. Um, and harlan carter was also instrumental in basically turning modern policing into the racist murderous horror show that it all still is so to end this out we have the rest of well not entirely the rest but some choice you know stuff from the rest of ramon cassiano he had the makings of a leader of a certain kind of men who need to feel the world is against him out to get him if he can men whose triggers pull their fingers of men who'd rather fight than win united in a revolution like in mind and like in skin It all started with the border, and that's where it still is today, down by the Sister Cities River. But for sure, no one can say. The killing's been the bullet's business since back in 1931. Someone killed Ramon Cassiano, and Ramon still ain't dead enough. Man. I'll tell you, they can write a song. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I love the drive-by truckers so very much. Okay. So... Um, and as far as where Ramon is buried, he is buried in the Calvary Catholic Cemetery in Laredo, Texas. Um, I do not have a picture of his monument or anything like that. So that's what I got for you guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to do grunge. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do Nirvana's Polly. Oh, here you okay. go. Okay. So- here you go. I almost, I thought about it. <laughs> So I'm only going to read it just a few of the lyrics just because they're very, very disturbing. Well, yeah. Um, so it's, one of them is Polly wants a cracker. Maybe she would like some food. She asked me to untie her. A chase would be nice for a few. Okay. Um, Polly wants a cracker. I think I should get off her first. I think she wants some water to put out the blowtorch. God damn, Kurt. So what makes this a murder song? Well, it is inspired by rapist and murderer Gerald Arthur Friend, who has the worst last name ever. Yeah, yeah, basically what he does. So he's still alive and is currently serving two consecutive 75 year sentences in Lakewood, Washington. So, Fran was originally jailed for abducting a 12-year-old girl from Sumner, Washington, in 1960 when he was 22. 
He had picked up a hitchhiking girl and her brother, but forced the boy from the car at gunpoint. He then drove the girl to Mount Rainier National Park, where he beat, raped, and cut, raped her and cut her hair. The event, I know, the victim eventually escaped into a river where she was discovered by a passing motorist, which just makes me think of that scene from Last House on the Left from the 70s. And it's disturbing. Anyway. That entire movie is just. Yeah. Yeah. The the whole movie is. I Yeah. No. Watched it once. That's all I need to see. Yep. (laughs) Several days later, Friend's father found him hiding in a field near their house. Friend drew a 22 caliber pistol and was wounded in the ensuing struggle. He drew a gun on his dad. What the fuck is wrong with you? His dad took him to the hospital and then turned him into the police. Good job. Gerald's dad. Mm-hmm. He was convicted of rape and torture and was sentenced to a minimum of 75 years. Now you're wondering, you said two consecutive 75 yeah. year sentences. Well, let's talk about that. After serving 2020 or after serving 20 years at Walla Walla and escaping twice, Jesus, oh God, dude, he was paroled in 1980. Oh my God. I'm really tired, really <laughs> tired of these proven, violent, murdering offenders. Rapists just, don't rapists. rehabilitate. No. They don't. They just, don't. No. If they, you kill they, somebody they, in a walk bar the fight, there's a likelihood that you could like improve your life. Or if sure. you committed a robbery, or you were on drugs. Those are all things that something could have changed. A rapist is a rapist is a rapist is a rapist. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And they, I'm sorry, but lock them up or do keep them, them, keep them there. Yep. Yeah. So, because why not? In June of 1987, he abducted a 14-year-old girl. Oh, I hope this guy fries. At knife point when she accepted a ride after a rock show. Guys, kids, no, don't, no hitchhiking. Do no, don't do it. Never, do never, it. never, never, never. I will never blame the victim, but please don't, don't do that. It's, it's not their fault, but it's, it's the dude's fault. But there are other ways to get home. Absolutely, there are other ways to get home. You call us. Yes, you call, call your me aunt, wherever you are. Cemetery Row girls. Yes, I am not <laughs> in that state. I will find somebody who is. Yep. He repeatedly raped and tortured her while she was tied to a pulley suspended from the ceiling of his mobile home. I hope he suffers. The girl escaped by jumping from his truck at a gas station. Good for you, sweet pea. Good for you. He was stopped a day later for traffic violation. Same thing that got Bundy. Mm -hmm. Watch your license plates, kids. Or don't. Please get caught. Yeah, get caught. And then, you know, the deputy who pulls you over can be played by uh james hatfield in the movie (laughs) um he was convicted of first degree kidnapping and rape later that august so june to august it's a pretty good turnaround i'm thank you washington shouldn't have let him out at all but whatever right he was ordered to serve the remainder of his 1960 sentence hmm? in addition to another 75 year sentence the following year, his victim sued the state and the Department of Corrections for prematurely paroling him in 1980, which, yes, yep. yes, had yep. he not gotten out in 1980, he would not have been raping and torturing her in 1987. Exactly. Hmm. He was suspected 
uh, in the Green River Killer case, which we know was Dunderhead uh, Gary Ridgway. Yeah. And he was never connected to any of those crimes because he didn't commit them. That was dopey, dopey, dipshit uh, Gary Ridgway. And the 87 crime was indeed the inspiration for the Nirvana song, Polly, which came out in 1991. And yeah. is one of the more disturbing tracks yeah. on Nevermind, I have to say. Yeah. Sounds like it. I was like, because I couldn't figure out why I didn't realize until I somebody pointed out that it was in the Batman trailer was something in the way was like becoming mm-hmm. I was like this is a suicide song what are we doing yeah and I'm like oh okay you guys did some Batman shit oh you guys are starting to put songs from my childhood and teenage years into movie trailers now yeah Fuck, yes old. yes god damn so yeah, not ballads in the in the typical sense, but we have racially motivated murder that would go on to lead to more racially motivated murders. Yep. Uh, and horrible sex crimes. <laughs> I think they both count, though. Um, yeah, no, definitely. And so, if you yeah. want to know more about Harlan Carter um, behind the Bastards podcast, which I absolutely loved, did a really great series on him. That man is a piece of shit. Sounds um, like it for sure. If you don't listen to the drive-by truckers, you absolutely should because "Sounds Better" in the song is one of my favorite songs ever. Um, I'm a big Jason Isbell girl, so yeah. Yes, some truckers and all them, and Amanda Shires, even though she's not in the band. I mean, like that's just where my brain's going. Anyway, yes, um, <laughs> that whole genre of like Southern indie, I really, really like. Yeah, good stuff. Yes, um. So yeah, we had some heavy stuff, but yeah. we still laughed thanks to Lori. <laughs> I, I tried. This was like I had, you know me. I'm my Virgo OCD. I'm like I want to include every little detail, and there were so yep. many more details I could have included. I thought about buying the book, but I was like, I don't have time to read it. Yeah, because there are some good books out there. Look, like, there was I'm just gonna fucking and syphilis. I'm like, right. what more could you ask? Normally, for? I have my sources up, and I'm going back and forth, making sure I've got all the details right. This time, I was just like, fuck it. I know this story. I'm just gonna make sure I got the names right. And I had actually never heard of the Lawrence family murders, so I'm gonna have to investigate really? that. Yeah, no, I had never Lawson. heard of them. Lawson, Lawson family murders. Um. Yeah, I, I swear I thought they did it on last pod, but maybe that was. Uh-uh. I think they did it on um, my favorite murder. That might have been maybe. because that's where I, I, I knew the story of the Lawson family murder because I knew the song, but I didn't know the part about the raisin until my favorite murder. Maybe no, it was either because I stopped listening to MFM so long ago. Yeah, um, it was pretty early on. I don't know. It was either them or maybe Crime Junkie, and I listened to neither one of them anymore. So. I feel like I feel like Lawson Family Murders. Like I said, I feel like it's mm-hmm. fairly well known, but it, it just depends. I think on on where your circles right. run because, well, like I said, every North Carolinian that I read was like, "Oh my God, we grow up with this story." Well, yeah, and it sounded. It sounded. I've heard of it. It sounded familiar. Um, but then I was like, is this the one with the fire? Cause you know, there's the house where Sodder. Yeah, Sodder that was, we did that at Christmas and you right. know what? you're right. Arthur's kind of hot. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, um, it looks like he has like the bluest eyes I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he's Let a big boy. See. He is he's a big boy. Very big boy. And Marie is standing next to him. Right next to sister, her dad. And, and she she's very sour face. Ooh. She does look sour face, but I think she's really pretty. She is very pretty. But it, it breaks your heart, though, because, I mean, this is two weeks before they're killed. So you really see how young those babies were. I, I know. Mean, the one is a baby baby. Four months. Four months. Ugh. And then... The that other ones are bitch. 12, 7, 4, and 2. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, it's really sad. Mm. Um, but they look very nice. It's, it's someone, you know, someone said um, later on, did he do that family portrait because he knew what he was going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But they said someone, I forget now who pointed this out. I've listened to so much stuff. Um because this was an episode of Criminal, by the way, if you listen to okay. Criminal with Phoebe Judge. Um, and they said, you know, the, um, they all look a little awkward. And maybe it's because they're wearing new clothes. Maybe it's because it's a family portrait and the exposure time's forever. But yeah. they said, if you notice, Charlie's the one who looks the most comfortable out of yeah, all Yeah, because he kind of has a smug. He almost has a smug look on his face. And the rest of them do look a little uncomfortable. And at first, I was like, well, that's because it's 1929. They're in new clothes. And yeah, and only one of the kids is portrait. smiling. Yeah, and, and you know, they didn't really smile in photos back then. Right. You know, because the exposure time was forever. So it makes sense that they're all kind of very serious looking. But he does have this look of calm about there he has this air of calm about him right that makes me think maybe it was very premeditated but i don't know i mean he could have just gone on a rampage there's no telling we'll have you charlie lawson yes yes. no matter what i hope you're getting pineapples shoved up your ass in hell (laughs) and i hope those sweet babies are just floating on clouds absolutely i want you to suffer their stone yeah. really is beautiful. That's so no, sad. Their stone is. is is very nice. It's mm-hmm. very large. Um, I just kind of hate that Charlie's there, but I don't know what yeah, else. I know. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Maybe and his weird, creepy brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the brother's a little weird. You know, I think Charlie. He very much looks of the time. He looks like he's from nineteen twenty nine. I'm like, if you'd had a different haircut, you might not look so. Right. Whatever. I feel you. But yeah. Marie, Marie looks very nice. I thought, I thought she looked yeah, very nice. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's what I noticed, that 20 drop, yeah. dropped waist dress. Yeah, yeah, it's really cute. And then, like I said, I think Arthur's a good-looking kid. Um, yeah. I saw a picture of him later in life, and he still looked kind of good. Well, Arthur's, Arthur's wife was really pretty. The she was picture gorgeous. on her. Yeah. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Um, And she went and married someone else later. Yeah. But anyway yeah. yeah so that's um luhu if people do want to find us where can they find us <laughs> facebook instagram and twitter at least as of today for a minute uh yes uh at cemetery row pod or you can send us a G- gmail send us an email to cemetery at gmail.com and i promise i'm going to be better about checking these emails because <laughs> We just got two really nice ones, and I feel terrible that I'm just now seeing them. I mean, they're only, they are from October, so at least it's not like, oh, they're not. Right. From six six months months ago. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Like, oh, God, I'm terrible. But yes, no, I will, we will, I will forward the emails to, um, 
to y'all's gmails so you can yeah yeah definitely so sweet and, and yes do um do leave us a review like chastity did that yes be day. um unless you just don't like us and then, then which you can case, send us an email that we will never read. stop listening mother exactly like, like seriously 20,000 other podcasts out in the world please go that, listen to them that you can hate listen to exactly yeah, exactly um, so yeah, tune in for our next episode. We are going to cover people who did things first, like first. the first person to do whatever. I don't know. We'll Absolutely. figure it out. Um, should be fun. Should be interesting. Maybe it won't be incredibly depressing, but I will say the person I was thinking of doing while, while y'all were doing your stories, I'm like, yeah, that's a depressing story. Yeah. No, but I'm going cool. I'm, I'm to try to think of something fun, like the person who invented sliced bread or the first person <laughs> to, I don't know where, you know, I'll you find know. something grim and horrifying. I know you will. Like, <laughs> of course you will. The, the, the first person to die by some crazy. F- oh yeah. I was thinking the first woman to be elect, um, sentenced to electrocution. No, oh, yeah, yeah, there's, that, there's that some is, good that's ones. that's on brand um, for Hannah. It is, you know. I think if I'm not mistaken, Betty White predates. She bread. does. Yes, she, does. she was born like right before sliced bread became a thing. Mm-hmm. So sliced bread was the coolest thing since Betty White. Exactly. Yes. Which I just see so when you mention every time I think of the words sliced Sli- bread, I think I of think Betty of White. Betty White. <laughs> I do too. Well, well, so I think of Betty White, and I think of so. Kumail Najiani, who I absolutely love and adore, yeah. has a really funny joke about one of the roller coasters at Coney Island was made of wood, the <laughs> thing that termites eat. Oh, yes, boy. it was built the year before sliced bread. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, oh, gosh. If you haven't listened to any of his stand up, go check him out. Yeah. Love it. So, okay, okay ladies. All right, babe. All right. All right. Bye. We'll go, y'all go listen to some murder ballads. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.